is the future of mental health care virtual care? Or wait, is it vice versa? I'm Jessica DeMassa, and welcome to this episode of the WTF Health Podcast. I do think that virtual care is the great equalizer when it comes to getting mental health care. I think it will change the dynamic of the stigma associated with mental health care and the lack of access to care. It, it really does change the dynamic for the consumer about how they access care and their comfort level in doing so. That's Jason Gorovic, the CEO of Teladoc Health, who called in to chat with me about the increase his company is seeing in the use of their mental health services, and also to share some new survey results about mental health, virtual care, and stigma in the workplace. We'll hear from Jason again in a few minutes, but first I want to set up this episode of our podcast all about the business behind mental health and virtual care. Before we start, I'm reminding listeners in these first few episodes that WTF Health, What's the Future Health, is also a video interview series on YouTube that features interviews with hundreds of innovators from across healthcare and around the world. These are the stories of founders and CEOs of hot health tech startups like Jason, the investors that fund them, and the people on innovation teams in health plans and health systems and pharma companies that are trying desperately to integrate them into the machine that is the future healthcare system. I'm drawing some of the best of the best discussions into this podcast so you can microdose the issues, trends, ideas, and different perspectives that are shaping the future of health. Okay, so back to virtual care. Virtual care, telehealth, whatever you want to call it, has been around for a while, but has taken a little bit of heat for not scaling up as quickly as the market expected. What I've been hearing, though, is that the tide has turned. And recently, the area of care delivery that has really put a spotlight on the potential for virtual care is mental health. In this episode, we're exploring the stickiness of virtual care for mental health. What's this like for the clinician? How is it impacting the bottom line? And what's the future for employees who, now a new survey shows, want access to mental health services but don't want to deal with the stigma that often comes from asking for them? To find out how this all works, we've turned to our friends at Teladoc Health. They've not only set up that chat you heard earlier with their CEO, Jason Gorovic, but we've gone back to a moment earlier this year when they introduced me to one of their providers so I could find out more about what this is actually like from the clinician's perspective. We'll start it off there. Here's Dr. Chris Dennis, the Chief Behavioral Health Officer for a company called Landmark Health and also a provider of mental health care for Teladoc Health. So you are a psychiatrist. I am. And you are somebody who's a provider on the Teladoc Health platform. Exactly. All right, so this is cool because, I, like, we hear a lot about tele, telehealth and virtual care and how, you know, the numbers are not as high as people want, but behavioral health is one area where this is growing. Why do you think that is? Well, telehealth is really the great equalizer in what we do. Um, behavioral health care is one area that has significant stigma attached to it, as well as issues of access and availability. So when you pair those together, it really leads to one of the growing areas in telehealth. And so you, I mean, you're actually on the platform delivering care, which is so cool. I don't ever get to talk to doctors. So let me pick your brain. All right. So what's it, what's it like? I mean, do you feel like as, as, as a provider, as a psychiatrist, when, when you're talking to somebody, is it less intimate? Is it more intimate? Like, give me a sense of, from your perspective, like as you're like, you know, doing your job and working with a patient, what do you think? Right. One of the great things about telehealth is you get to see the patient in their environment. So that may be good. It may not be so great, right? Let's talk more about that. Well, yeah. sometimes you have patients that are sitting in their bed, so they're their bedhead, and they're getting right up, but they're able to do it when they can and whenever they can. Okay. You know, one of the reasons that it's a great um, use of, of telehealth is that 
when you look at uh, the ability to access it from anywhere at any time, there are patients that are able to go out during their lunch break and go sit in their car and do the interview and do the, do the evaluation. They can go and they can be in their, in their office. They can be in their home. I actually had a patient that was doing the, the consult from his closet because he didn't want his family to know that he was in, in care. Okay. I mean, and that's cool. And I, I, what's interesting about hearing you say that, I think to myself, like, wow, are you able to, like, pick up more because of the fact that you're kind of in in their yeah. personal life, in their personal space when you're coming in on a telehealth consult? I mean, I, I must hear, like, I hear this all the time with um, folks that talk about voice. Right. So, like, a lot of times they're like, you, you forget that it's like, yeah, you're talking to the, the voice application, but it's also listening. And so you pick up a lot of ambient noise. Right. Same here. You're getting ambient noise. You're getting, like, situation. You're getting location. Are you able to kind of, like, discern? Is, is that actually, like, I don't know, helping you do your job a little bit better? I think so. One of the things that you see, is, for example, is when a patient comes in and their child comes running into the room if they say you know get away get away versus hold on a second you know what's going on sweetie really gives you a different sense of where they are and what they're acting like okay very cool um tell me i guess a little bit about the patient reaction to it so have your patients like are they comfortable with it so you know one of the great things is that when you see them in their environment they really are very open right many of them is the first time they're actually accessing a care provider this way I had a great example the other day. There was a a patient who was a pastor in a local community in a small town in Alabama who, for whatever reason, was driving an hour and a half to go to a psychiatrist because he didn't want to be able to see, know anybody in the community that was seeing a psychiatrist. Uh, So he would drive an hour and a half each way to go see a psychiatrist. He found out he had the benefit, was able to then see, you know, the the psychiatrist through Teladoc Health and also engage in therapy. And because of that, I'm able to see the therapy notes. The therapist is able to see my notes. We're able to communicate back and forth and address his issues holistically. Okay. Now, just because I'm not as familiar with the offering from Teladoc Health, so it is not only just the evaluation that you can do, but you can also do your therapy online as well. Absolutely. There's both therapists as well as providers and psychiatrists um, to be able to provide prescribers. So I can prescribe medication as well as do therapy. I have patients that I see every two weeks, you know, for an hour visit. And I also have, it's just like a regular practice. Okay, I'm going to ask you the, the obvious burnout question here. So is, sure. this, is this helpful with that from a physician's standpoint? Because, I, I mean, I don't know, or is it like so fundamentally different than the way that you were, you know, taught to practice medicine that it's kind of weird? Like, have you gotten used to it yet? Well, is it helpful? Really Give me like your candid. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm the executive of a, of a national company. Yeah. And as that, I don't have time to have a, a, a private practice and have a brick and mortar. And my wife won't let me go out, you know, on a Sunday morning for two hours to go to my office. Right. But I'm able to use my home office during that time and also be able to see patients on nights, weekends. It really allows me to be able to practice. Very cool. And then just last thing from you, give me kind of a glimpse of the future from your perspective as a, as a, as a practitioner. So again, issues of access and availability are significant in behavioral health as it is across primary care, et cetera, but more acutely in behavioral health. Um, we see a, a growth in, in the industry of telehealth to be able to provide in those access to those services. It's really a great equalizer. That was Dr. Chris Dennis, who weighed in on the provider experience delivering mental health care to patients using the Teladoc Health platform. At the end there, Dr. Dennis calls virtual care the great equalizer, and it turns out that now there may be some survey results that demonstrate just how much of an equalizer it really is. In a brand new chat with Teladoc Health's CEO, Jason Gorovic, I had a chance to hear more about the survey his company had commissioned to find out about stigma, mental health services, and the workplace. I understand that you guys have done a survey recently with Ipsos Mori um, at your behest um, to kind of dig a little bit deeper, not only into to stigma around mental health at work, um, 
but also to kind of get a sense of, you know, which populations of employees were looking for solutions, what outlet that virtual care kind of provided for some of these patients. So hit us up with some of the key findings and the key takeaways of this survey. What have you guys found out? Let's start with the stigma question. So, I mean, you guys have kind of uncovered that stigma goes a lot further than you initially thought, more or less. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jess. Uh, and just to frame the survey, you, you know, the mental health crisis is a global crisis. This isn't just a U.S. issue. Uh, and so our survey was done in four countries around the world. Um, and what we found is that there's a stigma associated talking about mental health in the workplace. Uh, and in fact, it's worst in the U.S. versus the other countries. Um you know, 87% of people who had been diagnosed with a mental health issue in the U.S. didn't talk about it to their employers for fear of stigma, for fear of backlash, uh, and for fear uh, of being having that being a career-limiting discussion. That was really quite rampant among millennials, right? Like if you broke it out via via age, if I remember, it was like that cohort in particular was really worried that if they said something, they'd be held behind. That, that's exactly right. It was worse. Uh, the younger the employee segment, the worse it was. Uh, and in fact, um, only 33% of respondents said that they were likely to talk to their manager uh, about a mental health issue. And the, the, the biggest reason for not talking to their manager was fear of impact on their career. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's a sensitive issue. And I mean, depending on what, your, what, what workplaces you were serving, can you give us any insight on that? I mean, I know you guys had about, it was like right around 3,900 people in the survey. Like you said, it, was, it wasn't limited geographically to the U.S. I believe you also had um, uh, parts of that cohort were from the U.K., from Australia, from Canada. Um, and then it was really a diversity of ages. But can you give us a sense of where some of these folks worked? Yeah, we talked to a representative sample of the population in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Australia, uh, and, and we found that um, it was the uh, same regardless of where the workplace was and what the industry was. Uh, th this is a, a universal issue about fear of speaking about mental health care issues, and, and that really gets to the role of virtual care in solving this issue. People are looking for something that's a little bit more anonymous, uh, easier to access, that is more intuitive, you know, because if you think about it, you're unlikely to ask a colleague about whether they have a therapist who they like and would recommend, as opposed to asking about the pediatrician. When it comes down to looking at, you know, the role that virtual care can play in this, you know, an employer who's looking at these survey results, you know, of the employee population, understanding that, you know, there is more of a stigma around talking about these issues than they may have initially thought. In particular, their younger employees who they probably want to, you know, keep on board because um, it's harder and harder to, like, attract and retain younger talent these days. Um, but wanting to keep them engaged, you know, in the workplace and make them feel like they, they fit in and they have a future there and protect their investment there. You know, what are what is the employer to take away about this? And, and you had said, I mean, it didn't really kind of – there really wasn't anything specific about, you know, 
what role virtual care could play. So draw that line for us, for the employer, when they're looking at this stuff. I mean, really kind of bring that, that concept to life for those who may not be familiar with how they could integrate virtual care for mental health services into, you know, an employee offering um, for health and wellness? Well, Jess, I think like with many things in the workplace, leaders need to lead. And in fact, what we found is that when uh, employees saw their leaders talking about mental health care, they were much more likely to open up about their issues, engage in the conversation, and seek care. And then, you know, as part of leading, it's about providing the right resources for your employee base. And that's really where virtual care comes in. Virtual care is the ultimate in terms of providing access to the right provider. Because, you know, you're looking for somebody, uh, a different therapist to treat for eating disorders versus uh, depression and anxiety versus relationship issues that may be going on at home but affecting you in the workplace. You know, part of what we can do is to match the, the patient with the right provider who's best equipped to take care of their mental health needs. How does that work, Jason? Talk us through that real quick. So, I mean, is there like an initial consult when someone comes on, or do they just make an appointment themselves with who they think they need to see? How does it work? No, they raise their hand and say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody, and we help determine what they're really looking for, what their preferences and priorities are, and then match them with the right provider who can take care of them. Now, of course, we want to make sure that it's a, it's a perfect match, so we're not shoehorning them into any specific relationship, uh, and there's always flexibility. But, but what we're trying to create, and, and we've been very successful, is a longitudinal relationship between a patient and a provider who can take care of them over time in a multimodal relationship uh, that may include video or voice, chat, or even text. Uh, and as a result, provides care on the consumer's terms. As you as you see this space growing for you, I mean, how what is what are the plans for scaling this up? I mean, it's like this is one of those areas, particularly in healthcare. I mean, that you know we're seeing a, sh- a shortage of physicians, and um, and you know, obviously, I mean, this is a way to, to to kind of help combat that. But is there a point where you guys fe- fear that you might run into some limitations in terms of being able to provide as much care as there is demand for? The real key to dealing with the capacity issues is sort of the right resource for the right set of services. So many of our mental health members uh, have a team approach or a team taking care of them where there may be a therapist who they interact with on a very regular basis uh, for CBT or DBT or some sort of other therapy, um, and they're working with a psychiatrist periodically to do medication management uh, and check-ins. And that's really a best practice in, in mental health care where you know, the, the therapist is best designed to be that more frequent interaction to help uh, behavioral therapy while the psychiatrist who's the more scarce resource and quite frankly, the more expensive resource is there as needed to do titration of medications. 
you know, the, the one place where I do think it's a, a significant challenge for everybody in the industry is child and adolescent psychiatry. Uh, and there, there just aren't enough uh, child and adolescent psychiatrists around. Um, we're working on some, some partnerships to try to address that. But yeah. that is truly a crisis. And, and we suffer along with everyone else in terms of not enough resources. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, anything you can do, like you said, I mean, to kind of scale up what's there is, is, is commendable, especially for getting care to that particular um, population of patients. Um, so I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit on this. And I want to talk a little bit about just what you're seeing in general, um, as far as virtual care is concerned. I mean, I, one of the things I wanted to, to kind of run by you is a conversation I had with Hill Ferguson, the CEO of Doctor On Demand at the end of last year. And one of the things that he said to me, he predicted that the future of primary care is virtual care and vice versa, that the future of virtual care is primary care. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is maybe this um, behavioral health stuff going to sneak in there and that's the more immediate future for, for the entire category of virtual care telehealth? telemed what do you think so um just at the risk of sort of pausing the conversation if you don't mind not talking about my com competitor ceo or at least naming oh, sure. on the podcast that'd be great no that's fine that's fine that's fine awesome. um yeah you want, no you want to re-ask the question yeah i can definitely do that okay so um how am I going to react this? Okay. So um, at the end of last year, I had an interesting conversation with somebody in the industry who had predicted that the future of virtual care is going to be primary care and vice versa, that the, the future of primary care is going to be virtual care. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that maybe the more immediate future for virtual care is going to be behavioral health care and, and, and the flip of that? I would say... The answer to that is that virtual care will be an enhancement to and a part of primary care, and primary care will be enhanced uh, and expanded by using virtual care. But I wouldn't say that one will replace the other. So what I mean by that is, you know, there almost a quarter of the population doesn't have a primary care physician. And virtual care is a fantastic way to expand the reach of primary care to those populations. As you might imagine, that's even more so for the millennial generation, where the data is more like 40% of the population doesn't have a primary care relationship. Is so, it really that high? Oh, yeah. It's definitely true. And you know, just like anything else, the millennial generation is looking for on-demand care when they need it and doesn't necessarily see the need for an ongoing relationship with a primary care physician. If you can do you do think that virtually, then that significantly improves the reach of primary care. Do you have any guesses on whether or not that'll change as that group of, of people gets older? Or like, is it just like who they are right now that they want things on demand and that they really don't care about that longer term relationship? Or, I mean, I'm sure you're looking at this population, you know, quite closely in terms of, of being, you know, obviously, you know, the, the future base of, of utilization. So, I mean, what have you guys found out about those millennials? Do you think that, you know, this, this impermanence and the on-demand and on-the-go and all that is, is something that's going to stay with them? Or is that something that you think might kind of just change a little bit as they mature? I think you make a great point. As that uh, cohort ages and they start to gain 
uh, other needs for the healthcare system, their behaviors will change. But I would say that their behaviors in terms of how frequently they access care will change, but their interest in having care on their terms probably won't. And so that's really where virtual primary care can come in and provide them with more of a holistic digital experience that includes a physician or a care team, but very, very importantly, is connected to the rest of the healthcare system. And so can make intelligent referrals into the most efficient and effective parts of the healthcare system, operate as a virtual center of excellence program be deeply in, incorporated into the health plans, care management programs, uh, and deal with chronic care issues for the consumer, all in a sort of seamless bricks and clicks environment. And, and so I think, you know, the, where, where Teladoc is uniquely positioned is being able, able to cover that entire spectrum of healthcare needs. So give us a, an update on what's happening with uh, Teladoc Health. What are you guys up to? How's your, the, you had the deal last year with CVS. Any other big deals coming your way? Give us a quick update on where you guys are at. Well, as you know, we recently uh, announced the expansion of our relationship with United to another 15 million of their members, uh, commercial UHC members. We're really excited about that expansion. Uh, we, as we look out in next year, we see a lot more in terms of virtual first plan designs, which are really plan designs that are designed to encourage the consumer to have their first stop into the healthcare system be a virtual one. I am excited about that being sort of a, a corollary to virtual primary care. Um, and then, of course, we continue to see the expansion of our role uh, both domestically and internationally, where about a quarter of our business now is outside the U.S. A whole quarter. Yeah, that's right. And, and we continue to see really strong growth uh, in Europe, in Canada. We launched Canadian telemedicine this year uh, in Australia, New Zealand, um, and emerging markets in South America and in the Far East. Um, you know, I want to go back to what you said about the virtual first um, plan designs that you guys are working on here in the States and maybe abroad as well, if you can weigh in on that. But I'm curious about how that's going, um, particularly in terms of like the, the whole conversation about reimbursement for parity. When with those virtual first plan designs, is that part of the issue that's been coming up around the design of those? Or how are you guys negotiating that? We generally contract directly with the payers, whether mm -hmm. sponsors, regardless of whether that's a health plan or a large employer. And so that all gets wrapped in directly with our contract. Um, so we're not really subject to the parity laws that have been uh, introduced or starting to proliferate. We do think that mental health parity is absolutely critical uh, all around the country, and we're excited about the wave that that is continuing to grow. Um, and and you know, I think that's part of the overall focus that we're seeing on mental health care uh, and continues to raise the awareness among health plans and especially employers about this important area. 
And that's a real fast-growing area for you, isn't that right? I mean, I was looking at your um, the notes on the Q on your Q two earnings report, and it just I mean, it seemed like that was an area of pretty hot growth for you. I mean, and, and like you said, internationally as well. Absolutely, mental health we've said will grow. Our revenue and mental health will grow by over fifty percent this year. Uh, we're well on track for that, and we continue to see that growing into the future. We're really just at the very, very beginning of that opportunity. And, you know, when we think about it, the truth is that many, many people who are in need of mental health care don't access care. So, you know, there's, there's a ton of pent-up demand. Absolutely. And a p- perfect opportunity for, um, for you to tap into that unmet, unmet demand and unmet potential. So, I mean, any last thoughts for, from you, you know, in terms of I, not only just the opportunity from the business standpoint, but also like from a, from a care delivery standpoint on how virtual care can play a role in you know, soothing the mental health crisis that we have. I mean, I, I can't weigh in on worldwide, but definitely in the States. I mean, it's obviously a growing concern, um, a lot of visibility for it in recent years. I mean, what's your, what's your hope, I guess, um, in terms of what virtual care will be able to do in order to, you know, help people get the care that they need? You know, sometimes, Jess, I think it's best to bring it to life with a, a real life example. I was just talking to our team who was interacting with a police chief in a small town who was undergoing, as you might imagine, tremendous stress uh, from work and was feeling the impact of that, but was really reluctant to go get mental health care in the local town for fear of questions about you know, his ability to do his job. And uh, virtual care was the solution that enabled the police chief to get the care that he needed and continue to be effective at his job without setting off alarm bells about whether he was fit for duty. And this is really a situation where, in all likelihood, the police chief wouldn't have gotten care if it weren't for access to the Teladoc Health platform. I think it's just another example of where virtual care is opening up access and and breaking down the barriers to getting mental health care for people all around the world. That was Jason Gorovic. CEO of Teladoc Health, who took us from survey results to market results and beyond in that conversation. Our mutual apologies for some of the weak audio there. We were clearly not on a Teladoc platform. Any comments, questions, or additional insights you want to contribute to this deep dive on the business behind the growth of virtual care for mental health care? I know I'd love to hear them. I'm a proud user myself, by the way, and I have to say that my only gripe is that I'm not as good at having a box of Kleenex at hand on my side of the screen as my therapist is on hers. Let us know what you think. Send your email to jessica at wtf.health or find me on Twitter at Jess Damasa. A million thanks to our sponsors before we go. WTF Health in both video and podcast incarnations is brought to you by Lavongo, Bayer's G4A program, and Guidebelt Innovation. Special thanks, too, to our friends at Teladoc Health. I'm Jessica DeMassa. Thanks so much for joining us. Catch us next time on WTF Health.